Support for Waveform comes from Anthropic. So looking for an AI solution for a business, it might be time to check out the Claude 3 family from Anthropic, your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. So whether you're powering a customer chat experience or doing complex R&D or need advanced analysis, Anthropic can help provide you with frontier intelligence. So if you're looking for speed, power, or anything in between, the Claude 3 family offers AI models for a variety of tasks and budgets. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right. $25 a month? Every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just visible. Switch today at visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see visible.com. You guys might have seen probably the biggest video on YouTube of the past year. I mean, easily of the past year, but probably of the past few, which was Mr. Beast's recreation of the Squid Game show on his own channel using a ton of the game mechanics. The video got 120 million views in four days. It's all anyone on the platform was talking about. And it was incredibly well done and really oh, interesting yeah. coming from his channel. So we got a chance to speak with some of the creators that worked with him on that video on the behind the scenes and on the VFX that went into making that such a unique and incredible video. So before you listen to this conversation, I highly recommend watching Mr. Beast's video, if you haven't already somehow, and then also watching the below linked video going over the behind the scenes of how it was made, how they kept everybody in the moment with a ton of combination of practical effects and VFX. I still haven't seen Squid Games, but now that I've seen all of what went into this production, I have a ton more respect, and I probably kind of do want to see Squid Games now, but I recommend that, and then we go into the chat. And just in case you still haven't seen Squid Game and you don't want anything spoiled, there are a couple talks about some games and stuff in this, so maybe save it for later if you haven't. Spoiler alert. Let's get into it. Welcome back to another episode of the Waveform Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Marquez. And I'm Andrew. And we've got another special episode today. We've we got do. guests in the Waveform Podcast studio. We've got Sam and Micah from So Crispy Media. Correct. It's just So Crispy Media. Okay. We I have we have a lot in common. And I don't know if people know this. And I think a lot of people who have seen a lot of videos on YouTube might have seen some of your videos, but might not remember, oh, these are all from the same channel, because that's what happened to me. I watched some of your older videos, and I realized I've seen these before, but I didn't realize they're all from the same people. Um, so I went back on your channel, and I see that you've been making videos for 11 years on YouTube. Do you have an origin story, how you describe like how you got started, why YouTube, and why the name So Crispy Media? Yeah, so we definitely started around, I feel like, we're in kind of the OG YouTube kind of era. I think that's fair. Yeah, Freddie yeah, Freddy Freddy W era. Yeah, mm -hmm. so Freddie Freddie Wong, uh, the Cordo Digital guys, a lot of guys that we're friends with now. Uh, we loved watching their content when we were kind of getting into making digital content, mm -hmm. and that's kind of how we started. And I I got into visual effects and uh, editing films, short films, and whatnot. And our YouTube channel kind of has always existed as more of a creating a big off like big videos that are kind of one offs. Right. So. Uh, it's a, sometimes harder to pinpoint exactly us as an audience, more of just, oh, I've seen those before. So we actually hear that a lot, which is kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we started it back when I was in around high school and Same. just continued it mm -hmm. and have been working on it ever since. And it's not until recent that we've gotten into a lot of the visual effects services, a lot of the uh, higher tier videos that we've really been growing the audience, which has been fun. Yeah. So Sam, you're, you're 25, right? Yeah. So. yeah. so to give some context, I mean, this is probably over 10 years of uh, 10, 11 years. So you back that up. It was like 14 years old, probably when you got That's started. Awesome. Yeah. It's been a long time. And then I met Micah a couple years ago. We started working together and he became a producer on the channel uh, back when we started with Chalk Warfare 4.0. Okay. So we had this series that we had in high school that was Chalk Warfare. Yep. Uh, we made three of them and then took kind of a break for quite a while. I think it was like a six year break, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we had about a six year break and made the 4.0 video that ended up doing really well and kind of revamped our channel where we started doing a lot more visual effects content. Yeah. So I think people watching today might know you guys from the behind the scenes video of how the Mr. Beast Squid Game project came to exist. 
one of my favorite videos ever. Not only the the actual Mr. Beast video, but the behind the scenes because I'm a sucker for watching behind the scenes videos. Mm -hmm. And I sort of would describe your videos and your style as like VFX projects where they're, they take a long time to make. VFX stuff is really heavy and notoriously we make a lot of videos in a short amount of time in tech YouTube, but VFX stuff takes a while, um, very time consuming and very elaborate, at least to me, because I'm not familiar with the software. Um, I want to like, do you find that that's like a, a big challenge in maintaining a YouTube presence and like how many things you get to do on YouTube? Talk about like what it's like being a VFX creator. Yeah, it's a really hard uh, medium to be in because when you're making content, you can make, you know, you can't make it fast and you can't make it cheap. Uh, so <laughs> it's it's hard to create the stuff online. And then with with the push for watch time, that's a big one too. Mm -hmm. So when you make it, when you want to make it longer, we end up spending a lot more time on a project. So we started that really with the Chalk Warfare 4 stuff. It was our first time ever really making a video over 10 minutes, and it really helped with the kind of YouTube algorithm, mm -hmm. which was exciting for us because we've always just been wanting to make content that we want to watch and we want people to see. Yeah. And that's kind of always been our mindset and our mission statement. So from that, really one of our longest films that we had made was Chalk Warfare 4, and we kind of followed along with the trajectory of making stuff it, like that. It is definitely a really tricky thing, like doing VFX in particular, on YouTube because, you know, YouTube does reward watch time. You know, it's like content that you can make on a weekly basis is like very well rewarded as well, that consistency. Mm -hmm. um, and with things of VFX, like the cost per frame can be really, really expensive. Mm -hmm. And not only sure. the dollar cost per frame, but just the labor cost per mm -hmm. frame. Because in our world, not all frames are created equal, right? So like That's there's these metric, yeah. 24 frames for a second can be a weeks long process. Um, yeah. So it, it does it in a way it's, it's ironic because you know, we love YouTube and we like, you know, believe in the platform. We like love posting on YouTube, but in a lot of ways, like we would be more incentivized to do short form, you know, like something where we just have a 15 second window we have to deal with. Cause then we could realistically turn over a lot more content with the amount of labor that's required. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But you know, with length, you get the ability to tell story and that ultimately is what we want to then do with, with a lot of our longer form content. Yeah. So if we're making a video, it can be hard and it can be a, a big a big process where we go through these, you know, these cycles of it may take a year long to like create yeah. you know a, a larger form film, but we're able to really dive into it and, and make it something that we're proud of. Yeah. And that's yeah. kind of been the trajectory of what we've been working towards. One of the uh, one of the formats that we found to be really cool and like work really well both for us and for YouTube is this idea of like we do these big massive like tentpole you know films that have these all the vfx and they're huge spectacles mm -hmm. and they're kind of like a moment for our channel and then we also release a behind the scenes of that because we find that telling the story of how we made something and how we overcame the obstacles of how did you do this massive you know shoot on a youtube you know size team size project um it, it ends up creating a lot of cool stories in and of itself because there's always problems to solve and there's always unique solutions and there's also a lot of innovative tech involved to be able to find ways to do things that you know normally cost 100x how we're, we've found ways to do them for a lot cheaper mm -hmm. so it's it's a lot of there's a lot of like story in and of itself about even just telling how we made a video so we find that that format of doing a video with a how we made it works really, yeah. really well for us it, it is really interesting to hear and have all the you know the buzz about this behind the scenes because yeah. i come from a background of thinking that no one really cares about how we made it right. like not to be completely honest i just when we we used to never do behind the scenes, we would do it on a second channel. Yeah. And it wasn't until recently when we realized we needed to push out some more, or at least try to push out some more content, that we decided to start uploading on our main channel as well for behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. yeah. And normally something like the, you know, the behind the scenes of the, the Squid Game project wouldn't have existed if it wasn't for that mindset. Because I was always under the impression that people just wanted to watch the content. Because the further you kind of dive into the technicals, you start to think it's not as cool when you're doing it. Yeah. And mm -hmm. and it's it's I'm unaware of that. I'm unaware of the fact that people might actually be interested in this. Yeah, which is you might cool. underplay. You might be underplaying how much people right. are like fascinated by it and yeah. something they're unfamiliar with. I think our audience would be like, I, I was kind of describing oh, yeah. your channel as like, our channel audience really likes tech and gadgets, and they really like film and production. And you guys are bringing that about as close together as possible. I mean, yeah. we we do a lot of uh, a lot of practical effects in here. Like yeah. almost all the stuff we do is practical. We have a motion graphics person, but that's mostly titles and stuff like that. You guys are bringing that just yeah. right on top of each other with like motion tracking and all that. And it's it's fascinating to watch. I think our audience would super, super enjoy that. And I was dying to see behind the stuff, yeah. the behind the scenes stuff of all of your things. Sam, you might uh, have a, a better way to explain this. I'll, I'll take a second. But there's kind of this mantra that, that we found that like we love to be able to like kind of like 
I'd explain like like find the marriage of technology and innovative mm-hmm. technology and how can you apply that to storytelling like a lot of it boils down to like this idea that like you know we can take tech that's you know being used by massive hollywood studios and find ways to democratize it to be able to allow content creators to f- utilize it yeah. like a great example is like motion capture right like you know mm-hmm. f- 5 4 years ago that was very inaccessible to now for content creators like now we've been able to access motion control suits that are cheaper and we can use them and now we can find ways to like integrate those into our content so we love to be able to find those like whether it's innovative tech or these little moments where you know new software's coming out whatever to be able to then say, oh, hey, actually, let's try to take this and let's tell a story with it. And that's kind of like the thought process of how it eventually evolves in these short films. Like we have a lot of really fun short film ideas for the sake of like, oh, that'd be a hilarious short film. Mm-hmm. But more often than not, there's even tech behind it that we can think, oh, now that this is possible, let's make a film this about this. This is the film you make on it. Right. I feel like that's the robots for us like that too. It's like, we have the robot. Now we think of an intro shot that we want to do of it. Or just we're begging for a video that we can use the, the robot yeah. arm yeah. in. Yeah, he brings up an interesting point because it is kind of about like a marriage of tech where we have we for a while we we've always like we don't make a lot of content, but when we do, we try to make it something new and you're like refreshing with what we've recently learned. So a, a good instance of this is around 2015, 2016, we really got into VR and then we did a, a cool uh, VR uh series with Google Daydream where we made like three pieces of content. So we have like 25 minutes of content where it's literally in stereoscopic VR. And like that might not sound that you might not know what that would mean, but for video wise, like for video sake, making a YouTube piece of content in 360 degree with stereo, that's the equivalent of making like six videos per one video. Yeah. Cause you're literally doing a left eye and a right eye and it's, and then it had a uh, stereo or it had a uh, spatial audio. So when you turned yeah, as well, it awesome. felt very yeah. immersive. I think this is the year I also did my only 360 video. Yeah, it was like when it was yeah. like a huge deal, and I did yeah. a studio tour in 360, and I had to sort of like navigate around, like having this camera in the middle and walking around it and yeah. touring things. It was fascinating. I and I remember that it was like back when the like the Odyssey was a thing, right? Yep. Was that yep. what it was? I think yeah. that's what we used. Yeah, super cool stuff. But yeah. we we loved like getting involved with that, and then figuring out a way to make our content with that. So when you watch those videos, it's like those were a production nightmare. And I think if anyone who is like making a YouTube channel where we're like yeah we need to get content out regularly we would have never done that yeah yeah i i also want to i i figure you guys might not know my love for the word crispy i've (laughs) i've described words like to describe like really sharp footage like when we're trying to get a shot and there's like the exact like it's really weird trying to describe footage but like it has the breadth and the depth to Mm -hmm. it and the texture and you just capture it just right. And some of my friends, John and Austin and I have described it as like a really crisp shot. And we love being able to get crispy videos. And to the point where we've had, uh, I think it's hashtag team crispy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Where we all feel like we're part of the same group where we're like, oh yeah, we know what a crispy shot is and we know how to get one. Uh, and so we feel like you guys are like honorary team crispy because you've, you've had the name way longer than we have even been talking about this. Okay. So I just so, wanted to toss that out there. I, think, yeah, I, I love think that. that this might yeah. be the, the greatest compliment we've ever received. Oh, yeah. When they <laughs> the say crispy, that's perfect. crispy shots. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. named. Yeah. It's definitely a great way to describe visual effects too. Like when it's something yeah. that you really like, it's yeah. okay, that's perfect. You know what it is when yeah. you see it. Yeah. Chef's yeah. 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 Hashtag yep. team crispy uh, merch new willing to come out here soon. It's never too late. Never too late. Okay. So the Mr. Beast Squid Games project, I think was the, maybe the perfect combination of like how you would get maximum interest in a behind the scenes because most Mr. Beast videos, and I've talked to Jimmy about this. It's like people want to know how it was done. And kind of the most amazing part of the video is that it was real. It actually Mm -hmm. happened. He really did say that word a million times to a camera. He really did run a marathon in the biggest shoes. Like that's actually what happened. And that's the amazing part of the video And this latest one was like, all right, we all know what Squid Games is. We've seen it. There's these crazy challenges. And he's going to put real people through these challenges to find an overall winner at the end. And watching that video, to me, I'm in the mode that I sort of go in when I go to watch a Mr. Beast video, which is, all right, this is going to be real. Let's see how I pulled it off. And so slowly my mind starts to realize more and more, oh, there's a little bit of VFX happening in this video. This is really interesting. Um, I'm curious. Multiple pe- people here said, no, it's good. That's yeah. what it is. No, he it's said he be built real. it. So, th- I mean, if that should be a compliment <laughs> to y'all. We, Hayato was like, no, this it, is real. I yeah. was like, it's, I think yeah. it's close to real, but there's some, some help you involved. Know, yeah. It's interesting because it's such a like hidden, like 
it's interesting because it's like, in a way, the better we do our jobs, the exactly. less people yeah. realize that's, we're doing that's the job. always the joke. It's yeah. like, if we do our job well, you're not supposed to know we did our job. Yeah. Which is awesome and hurts yeah. at the same time. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, so, so it's, like a, it's like a great thing and a bad thing. It's like, oh, it's mm -hmm. awesome. You didn't notice there's VFX. But also at the same time, it's like, hey, like, you know, we did <laughs> do a lot of work yeah. to make that it's shot. It's kind of like a, like a really well done video game. You can tell when something runs really smoothly, it's mm -hmm. just great and immersive. And mm -hmm. when someone steps weird over a curb, it's like, yeah. what were they thinking? This is terrible and just broke immersion. Exactly. Like, and yeah. going going back to the, the practicality of Mr. Beast, like I think it's the perfect marriage when he added these visual effects because everything that you saw was still done practically. Mm -hmm. It mm -hmm. was all still done, and like we can tell you that stuff, the stuff he does is real. Like yeah. it, it was done practically, and it was it's like incredible. And yeah. we are really just bringing in our style and being able to allow them to do stuff that is impossible. Yeah, you know, it's like an enhanced yes. version. Yes, yeah. I I I'm trying to imagine like you guys. Like, put yourselves in our shoes for a second when we're there. And we know, like, for VFX, it's really important to shoot things a certain way and do things a certain way. And, and mm -hmm. you know, think like the footage you get is like, you know, that's that's our canvas that we paint on, you know. And if that canvas is perfectly white and clean and ready to go and it's like, you know, we can we can do whatever we want, that's fantastic. If the canvas gets muddied, that's a problem. So it's a little bit terrifying going into a production yeah. where they're literally, and this is completely true, there is no take two. Mm -hmm. Like you go in and when yeah. the cameras roll and the game's played, you get what you get. So there's a little bit of that like, oh crap kind of feeling mm -hmm. of like, when you're getting this all set up where we're like, oh man, like, you know, let's, let's, we, we have one chance to knock this out and do it right. And so we're really fortunate. Like the footage came out fantastic. Like, you know, I've, the final end product we're super yeah. proud of. So, but it was definitely a little bit, it was pretty scary getting up to that point. There was a moment, I think, before the first game in your video where he comes up to you and is like, right, everything going to go well? Oh, yeah. Oh, at yeah. least from your side. Okay, good. Good luck out there, man. Let's do it. Fun, man. You already, you're already for this. And there's like a, Pause for a second. I was like, they're nervous. That's gotta <laughs> yeah. be terrifying to like go yeah. through all of this, man. It, it, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's interesting because you know we do so much preparation to like you know get everything right, but there's variables you can't control. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it's just like when you're out there and you're filming, like you know the game is gonna go on. You mm -hmm. know, so yeah. it's a little bit of kind of like for us, it's uncharted territory because we've always had the the privilege of being able to like control the set. You know, take two, take three. Say, oh, that didn't work. Let's change things up. But for this one, it's like. You know. Yeah, even in terms of visual effects, if yeah. you're filming a scene and you need to put a blue screen behind somebody, mm -hmm. you know, if you're filming a one camera show, you just put the blue screen up behind that actor for that shot, yeah. move yep. on to the next shot, move all your supplies, move yeah. your crew, everything. This is a holistic scene. Like we're mm -hmm. we're catering to a, a game show that's happening and we're just enhancing it. All right, we're going to take a quick break here to talk with sponsors and we'll come right back with our conversation with Sam and Micah from So Crispy Media. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right, $25 a month every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just Visible. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com. Support for the show comes from Anthropic. Companies of all sizes are exploring use cases for AI and finding that it's not a one-size-fits-all game. It's all about finding the right balance between speed and intelligence. Like if you're powering a customer chat experience, you need instant speed at low cost. If you're doing complex R&D or advanced analysis, you need frontier intelligence. Claude 3 from Anthropic offers AI models for a variety of tasks and budgets. Claude 3 Opus is their largest and most powerful model that can handle complex tasks and analysis. Sonnet strikes the balance between information and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and most cost-effective model that can execute lightweight actions fast. Anthropic is dedicated to building AI systems that are reliable, interpretable, and steerable. Their multidisciplinary team of researchers, engineers, policy experts, and business leaders designed Claude to elevate the field of generative AI. See for yourself. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. Can I ask a question about the blue scene? I thought it was really interesting, or blue screen. I thought it was really interesting in your video how you said 
you basically almost didn't use blue screens because you they used a black backdrop to make so the audience felt more like they were in and you know real and everything. When it comes to we do super basic green screen effects here stuff almost always stationary. When now it's coming into motion and you don't have tracking points on all that and everything and not a real blue screen, no second takes, it's just black. How much harder is that now to add visual effects to it and to go into that post-production process of is it a big difference or Yeah, so Basically, if you're if you're committing to blue screen, you're committing to doing work on every shot that gets taken. But when we're looking at the reference of what we're trying to match, which is from the show Squid Game, you know they mm-hmm. they ended up replacing it with a lot of just black abyss uh, backdrops. Yeah, and then also there was some like a steel texture on some. And our jobs then look at that and say, okay, how can we get the best like bang for our buck? Right, like if we're if we're trying to do visual effects on this. Is it better to do all visual effects for every single shot or enhance it on some of the shots that can really be like massaged and we can touch those ones up? Yeah. So we made the decision early on to say it'll better cater this entire product if we just go ahead and do black screen. Mm-hmm. And we we had done this actually with a commercial I was on with my buddy um, uh, Pat Hall. He shot a, a Patrick Mahomes commercial. Okay. And we didn't have a lot of time to shoot with you know him because he's mm-hmm. – Huge athlete, and he's got a lot to do. So we shot with uh, black curtains with duvetine, and it just created such a great effect, and we enhanced the story with visual effects. So we took that same idea to this as well, which was it's going to provide a very realistic experience because everyone's there playing this game. And all the shots should have tracker points because they're shooting wider typically. So all the shots should have tracker points. We should be able to get everything pulled out of that. Some shots will then be final. And then when we want to have a shot that kind of looks down, we'll do the work there. And we did this process called luma keying, which is a kind of advanced process of being able to take, you convert the image to a, a grayscale map, and then you clamp the, uh, the, the shadows and the highlights to be able to then say, if it's black, right, put, mm-hmm. make a mat out of it. So you're basically making a luma mat. So if it's okay. black, you can put something behind it. If it's white, that'll oh. be the mat. Okay. Yeah. yeah that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. One other thing to add to that too, and I, I think it's like worth emphasizing is the immersion for the contestants we thought was like super yeah. important and super huge because, mm-hmm. um, you know, these are not actors. These are not like, these are just literally contestants. They're random people playing this game. And so I don't even know, like, I wouldn't even expect that they knew that this was going to be the effects at the end of the day. I think the contestants playing on the set, you know, thought this was the set. Yeah, yeah. And so the concern of doing even really heavy blue screen stuff in my mind is that it also, t- it takes the contestant out yeah. of the game. And then they start thinking about, Oh, the filming, and it's like you know what's going to be in the blue screen, what's going to be replaced, and on the contrary, having the black screen there, just I think it helped the contestants like be able to play the game and focus on the game, and and just be able to actually you know do their job, which is to play the game. It's yeah, they're exactly. not thinking about all the mm-hmm. other things going on around them. So I think that helped with a lot of the immersion too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And from the behind the scenes, you can see we did use blue for some for some yeah, sections where you know where it's decided, hey, blue screen is the obvious choice here, mm-hmm. right? We're, we're replacing, we know what we're replacing this with and it's not a dark abyss. Yeah. So it's really just kind of that that level of, you know, when you're working on something that has this many shots and wanting to cater to the product, uh, that's what we did. We, that was uh, ultimately a really good decision too. Because the other thing is when you're shooting with blue screen, even I saw this on the show, like uh, you can spend a very long time on every single shot, but you're still going to get that kind of fringing around the hair and you're always, really going to have to touch it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, but it looked really good because it was shot on like on a black, black screen. So exactly. it was just That's perfect awesome. lighting fall off. And then yeah. like all of the all of the light that was then hitting it, it was just being absorbed by that. So it literally was just lighting the stage yeah. and everything looked really cool and cinematic just right off the bat. It was really well done. I want to zoom out to the to the beginning of the process. Mm-hmm. Like we we see Mr. Beast is going to be. I, will, I, w- I want everyone first of all to watch both videos. Watch the Squid Games video. Watch the behind the scenes video. Right. So in the video, you mentioned like, okay, Mr. Beast says he's going to do the Squid Games project. How do you, how does the process of you guys working with him on? All right, this is going to be a really big video with some VFX. How do you guys start on putting this together? Yeah. So one one of the new things that we've started doing is pre-visualization. And I talk about this a little bit in the behind the scenes, but it, we, it kind of all starts with the building blocks of, you know, what are, what are we going after? And luckily there's a show to reference. Mm-hmm. The show kind of did a lot of the set, like that's shows the, the sets that need to be yeah, used. So that's our reference, visual, right? Yes. Yeah. There's the visual aid. And then we kind of then go in and start building up those sets as well. And then working with, you know, we're working with their team 
because they're building everything practically and they build as much as they possibly can, which is mm -hmm. very impressive. Mm -hmm. uh, from that then, uh, we started using Unreal Engine, which is basically a game engine. You know, it's used to make games like Fortnite. We've been using it for years, ever since the uh, VR VR yeah. stuff. We kind of got into it around 2016, yeah. uh, back when we wanted to wear Oculus Rifts and walk around in our 3D environments. Mm -hmm. um, so we've been using that tool, which has been increasingly just an incredible tool and under our tool belts. And it's now getting to the point where we can create something in Unreal Engine and literally have it for final product. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I normally, if you're saying previs, you're saying, hey, I'm just going to make this and then we're going to completely scrap it. We're just using it to look at how the composition of the images are and the flow of the sequence of events. Mm -hmm. But And then you scrap that and then you end up making it again. We're actually using that Unreal Engine. We're using all of our stuff in Unreal Engine to make the previs, and then we're also using it for the final. Oh, so it's okay. running real time, and wow. that's the only that's way we're able to pull yeah. off all of these shots in that amount of time. Yeah, I feel like that's like doubly important too when you only have one take. So you, you mm -hmm. have to do all of that pre-visualization, both conceptually and literally, just to make sure you have everything set so that when the contestants are there and they're going through it, you already know what you're doing yeah. and you get everything on the first try. So, yeah, and there's there's two processes to it. So it's called previs and there's techviz. So okay. both yeah. be equally cool. Previs would be, you know, what do I want this to look like? Uh, we kind of already have that visual reference, but for us it was helpful because we had to make the sets. So we made two versions of the sets. We made the glass bridge and uh, the tug of war all in Unreal Engine. Mm -hmm. Uh, very cool looking scenes that literally run like a game engine. You can like walk around them with a virtual camera. We could put on a VR headset and walk yeah, around it. Yeah, I thought that was awesome. And then from that, there's also a thing called TechViz, which is if you were working on a show and you said, okay, I want to, you know, know how many extras need to be in this or like how fast do I need to go to get from point A to point B in this one take that I'm trying to do? How fast do I need to be going? Yeah. That's TechViz. So everything's yeah. map, mapped out, the focal length down to literally everything, frame rate, focal length, everything. Mm. So we're literally able to go in there on the scene with virtual cameras, and then we can say, okay, what, what camera are we shooting with? Is it a full-frame DSLR? We can throw it on a full-frame DSLR, put it on a 10 millimeter, and then see what it's going to look like in this map. Yeah. So then you're able to provide those stills, mm. and you're able to you know, use that as visual imagery to, to know what the final product's going to look like. Yeah. Yeah. To go to the extent of like how useful this can be, and particularly for this project too, um, like there's examples in our BTS where Sam gets in a motion capture suit to pretend to be yeah, a yeah, contestant yeah. on the glass bridge where he's jumping across you know, a glass bridge that we're just faking and setting up in, in our little office space. And then we're basically taking him, putting him inside the environment of the glass bridge in Unreal, which is to scale and it's the exact design. It's, it's going to look like the final you mm -hmm. know, set itself. Um, and then we can actually then show and kind of place cameras and kind of demonstrate, hey, here's what we're going for and here's where we're going to have to position these things. That helps on the production side, but it helps in a way even more on the post-production side because we've already able to prepare and prep and say, okay, these are the shots we need to do VFX on. Here's, where, here's what we're kind of preparing and we know we're, the work we're going to have in yeah. front of us. And we can plan all that up front, which is amazing. And it goes even beyond that too, like to, to touch on even some of the other, like the red light, green light, like we can actually place the contestants in the 3D world to scale to know, okay, here's how the blocking is going to be. And there's like, there's so many applications that this just yeah. applies to across, like across the, everything. The tech vis involved with, you know, what, what, what size room do we need to be in to have 456 yep. people? Like that's a lot of people. Yeah. The show didn't even have 456 people. They yeah. used background set extension, uh, like individuals to be able to do that body or body doubles. But yeah, it's, it's very powerful technology to be able to do that and being able to place those cameras anywhere, get different views. And then on top of that, it's also helping service like our, our deadlines as well. So we know that we have a short deadline once they shoot. So I'm able to work with the team to say, Hey, this is very helpful for us. Like for instance, with glass bridge, there was a shot that we kept cutting back to. And I was able to show in my previs that it was going to be shot on a anywhere from a 200 to a 400 millimeter okay. lens. So basically I was able to show them visually if you if you do a cowboy shot, which is basically from knee up, mm -hmm. we can cut out the glass bridge and we don't have to do visual effects on that sequence. So we can cut back to that and it can be helpful for us if we're in a pinch, right? So we're, we're always, we're using this previs to also help us be able to, you know, showcase the work and show show how we need it done so that everyone can be on the same page uh, just because it was a little bit of a different work workflow, yeah. you know, visual effects in this project was a little bit different because they're all they're doing so much stuff practically. There's a real bridge there. There are people falling in the bridge. 
uh, and it's like it's a real game. Yeah. So we're just servicing that by setting up a, you know, setting up previs to be able to show how we can execute our visual effects. Yeah, it's cool because if you're if you're like in the Hollywood space or in the Hollywood VFX and all that world, this is this previsualization pre stuff is stuff they they have, do, they the do it all the time. They've done it yeah. for years, and yeah. it's really really cool application now bringing this into a YouTube space because you know as this tech becomes more accessible and it becomes democratized more and more. It's like this, there's so many applications for it, you know, even just beyond Squid Game of like prevising other shoots, prevising things in the future. It's like there's, it really excites us because I think it opens up this new tool that creators can use mm -hmm. that can just continue to like bring them value. And the, and the big point too being that it's final at, at that point, like the visual effects look as good as they're going to look uh, because it's in a game engine, you know, it's yeah. not a grayscale model. We're literally looking at lit models that like the glass bridge look like the glass bridge in our, in our game engine set in yeah. Unreal 5. Super cool tech that we're using to do that. I have a question about uh, the like creative process. Yeah. So like when I watch a, a Mr. Beast video, I guess we all know at this point there's a team behind everything going on, but it is a pretty personal element of like, all right, there's Jimmy, there's a couple friends, there's a contestant, and we're like watching what's going on. Um, when we're coming in and making this like huge project where now it's uh, creatively a little bit different, there's going to be some VFX in some of the shots. We're going to have this this prop that's going to look a little different in the final video versus the real practical prop. How much of this do you get input on? How much of this is like you and Jimmy talking back and forth about it? How much of it is just like the trust factor of like, I'm going to hand you this footage and we'll see what happens out of it? What, what is the level of like input that all parties have there? Yeah. At the end of the day, we were really enhancing, you know, the creative that they were yeah. putting on screen. Yeah. And, and that's their product and that's what they're known for. And it's, it's awesome stuff. And then basically mm -hmm. what we're doing is literally like putting the, you know, making them feel like they're up 200 feet high. Uh, we, we were able to use previs to help instruct on different ideas. Like if there were different variations of what, what they wanted to do for safety or, or, or different uh, creative ideas. But at the end of the day, like we were also servicing that to be able to show what different things would look like, what, what foam would look like in the middle or underneath the glass bridge yeah. and at what heights and whatnot. So there's that creative element that we were able to also visually help with. So it, it. it's cool that we can, we can service and help with a lot of the ideation process because we can like, you know, we can show what something might look like in your head and be like, oh, hey, what does it look like to do this and this? So we actually can do a little bit of problem solving um, just by having, you know, having everyone have eyes on the previous and being able to say, oh, hey, this is what this looks like, or hey, this is how this could function, um, you know, whether it's camera related things or whether it's just part of the set build, you know. Yeah. And it was a it was a great process working with them as well because they were very open to embracing visual effects, which was very cool. Because yeah. again, there are they you're so used to doing everything practically. Everything. And and they yeah, so yeah. definitely like if it could be done practically in this, it was. And that's what's really neat. Yeah. And and Unlike this type of work we usually do, where if we get a commercial and they say, hey, uh, we're going to fix this in post, like, we want you to do all this work because we're going to fix it in post. Like, mm -hmm. it's normally, we normally will get like a short end of the stick on that, but it was, it's really cool working with a team that's really interested in doing things practically. Yeah. Because it allows us to really focus on the stuff that's going to heighten the experience. And that, at the end of the day, that's what we always want to do with visual effects. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Everyone's like, everyone's objective for this video is like, we want to make the best freaking video possible. Like mm -hmm. we were all on board from that from day one of like, we yeah. believe in this project. We want this thing to be awesome and just blow everyone's minds. Right. Um, so it was cool. Like when everyone can kind of have that same goal to work towards where like, you know, we're, we're being, being able to like kind of go hand in hand and say, Hey, what, what does each, what does everyone need to make this thing the best thing possible? And, and just having that mindset, I think from the beginning really helped this thing, you know, evolve into this fantastic project, you know, versus a, you know, other pipelines like what Sam was referencing, where sometimes it's like, oh, we're going to shoot a video. Oh, it didn't turn out. Now let's have VFX go fix it. Mm -hmm. Like that's where, that's where this, this would not have been able to been possible if it was that way. Right. Um, just because the, for this to be like, it's, it's a, it, it needs to be kind of like a, everyone's on the same page from the beginning. Yeah. Right? Sometimes yeah. with a lack of communication, a film can get completely remade in the computer right. yeah, afterwards. Right. So this is a much more collaborative overall process. Like, I feel like that's what a lot of people were raving about on Twitter, which is like, oh, this, this new media landscape, a hundred million views in four days, like mm. just on a YouTube video. It's crazy, which is like, obviously amazing. But I think the, the process itself is the most interesting part to me, which is, I don't know, we've been making videos for 10 years and still to this day when I get on a set for like a commercial or like a small project where there's like 40 people behind the scenes mm -hmm. and there's this ladder of communication and there's all this disjointed, all this stuff in the way, it's like much harder to make 
to, much harder to have everyone on the same page about making the best possible video. Yeah. I'll put it that way. And there's a lot of film sets where you have one person that like holds a nail, another person holds a hammer. Basically, yeah. Yeah, so. yeah exactly. <laughs> The, the cool thing with this too is like, you know, since we obviously have such familiarity with the YouTube space, it was really easy to just kind of like get it. You know, it's like, we're not a, a big VFX house who only does Hollywood things where we have these, you know, preset expectations of how, you know, how like things are gonna happen and that, that are way arcane or way just kind of more in that world. So for us to be able to come in with a huge grasp of like YouTube and being able to say, oh yeah, we are YouTubers, we make YouTube content. Like we, yeah. we kind of can see the vision you know, that we think other YouTubers have a, lot, a bit easier than maybe someone from outside that space would try mm -hmm. to enter. Um, so having that was also like something that we felt just it fit really well for a project like this. Um, because, you know, we can kind of just walk through and say, okay, hey, like we, we get the idea here, we get how this is gonna go and like, let's just knock it out. How much footage did you end up with? <laughs> Do you have any idea how much footage was like, cause I know there's a ton of cameras rolling at once. Yeah. Was it in the ballpark of, I'm just gonna say our projects typically one to, no, I'll say 800 gigs to two terabytes. That's like the range of an MKBHD video. I'm guessing it's on a different scale with a VFX. Yeah, I can tell you, we, we set up networking for all of our visual facts. And I think at the end of the day, I had to delete a lot of stuff. We have a hundred terabyte server. I had to delete a lot of stuff that from our projects to be able to make sure everything was housed properly. And I think at the end of the day, we walked away with maybe 20 terabytes of, yeah. of just work. And that includes all That's our visual facts. Not that bad. Yes, I, and obviously, you know, we're we're working to try to minimize. Yeah, that's that's the other thing is like we we're all in cahoots from day one. It's like okay, how are we going to shoot this? What are we going to you know all all of these technical things that all lead to space on the on our server and and also just bottleneck us too because we know that we're on a deadline. So how much processing do we have to do? Uh, should 4K video be a thing for our final output? Uh, you know, do we need the color uh, depth right to be able to pull these luma keys really well? Right. And and valuing what is worth it, and basically we were able to get away with a lot and 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 get what we needed footage wise, and then still walk away with just working off of our you know our OWC server that was all good. We yeah. all were kind of piped into that, and then working uh, with all of our artists around the clock. Then after that, yeah. there's actually a really funny story about um, server space because we like when we decided yeah like let's bring in our server, let's set it up. Like we just you know we need that for the, the space and the speed and the time. Um, we had kind of in our minds set a idea of how big the project was gonna be. So we're like, oh yeah, this is plenty of space, right? You know. And so we go and we set it up and we're ready to go. Then after we shoot and we come back and we start seeing kind of the, you know, the um the storage starting to shrink yeah. and shrink and shrink. We're saying, oh shoot. Okay, like yeah, we don't have enough space. So actually this is kind of funny, but mid-project, like it was literally, I don't know, day four maybe or something, while we were still ingesting footage and we were already moving and you know, every day we're losing space. We had to actually delete um, one of our artists, um, Brendan. He had his student film from college oh, <laughs> on the boy. server as his why. like, as yeah. his like. That was the like master folder for his student film. Oh, so God. we actually like that was kind of the least common denominator of something we had to delete. So we, <laughs> I remember Sam went over to Brendan and was basically like, "Hey, man, Brent. do you still care about that project?" I was like college was years ago. <laughs> yes, yeah, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna take that thing off the server. I was like, "I'll get you a hard drive or something," but yeah. it's. So yeah, we're deleting it. <laughs> yeah. So no kidding. It's like while we were running out of space, we were also like that the service processing deleting that. So we kind of mm -hmm. had the perfect amount of like rollover oh, oh, as oh. Brendan's student film was being deleted. We were able to save that space um, oh, as yeah. we were Yeah, there was but, a lot of archival that was going on too to make sure that we were up, uploading all of our stuff that we had been working on. Yeah. Just shout out to shout out to the to the student project getting deleted right on time. Oh yeah, it's yeah. incredible. Yeah, there's wow. a time and place. There's a time and place for it. Everyone, yeah. everyone has one. Everyone yeah needs to get deleted. So. Huh. For a little context, you guys had, it was 10 days to do everything from start to finish, like when you got there? Or? So, yeah, so that includes visual effects. So right. we started, once we started working on footage, mm -hmm. it was a 10 day sprint basically. Okay. Yeah. Uh, with pre-visualization, uh, we, we were there for, we were working we on were this for, for like a while. maybe two weeks. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. we were able to, we were, we were able to like work and just focus on shooting mm -hmm. and whatnot. Okay. Yeah. The shoot happened and then sprint to edit. Yeah. So to kind of, to kind of set it up, I guess, in, a, in another way, it's essentially as soon as the camera stopped, we have 10 days and the video sure. is on YouTube. So it's kind of like, yeah. you know, we obviously, we spent some time preparing and being there and kind of, you know, getting everything in place, but there's literally like, it's kind of the, the clock ticks as soon as they wrap up the final, you know, the final scene and the footage starts to come to the server mm -hmm. where it's like, you guys have 10 days, like, let's get this thing done. And basically just like, that was our window of time. Um, and it's, it's interesting because we don't even like, again, to kind of frame this in a kind of a crazy way, cause this whole project was just awesome and insane. Um, 
we don't even have an understanding of how much work we're doing until like, you know, we start to get the edit in, right? Because in a normal VFX pipeline, you know, we are given basically like a final edit and it's like, hey, you have, you know, 60 shots, you have 80 shots, you have 150 shots to do. And then we're like, okay, let's look at the footage, let's absorb it, let's kind of mm -hmm. figure out. Um, for this one, just because of how the pace of how fast things move, like we kind of go in blind. Like we're like, we have no idea how much we're going to be doing until we see it being filmed, you know, and we see, we see it put together in the edit. Um, so it's one of those things where like we, you know, we kind of just have to like figure out once we've received footage. It's like, I was like on a daily basis, we'd get yeah. more shots coming in and be like, all right, let's start getting these organized. Yeah, let's yeah. start um, getting this system in place and, yeah. and assigning things. If you're working on a film, you know, you have a script. And normally people look at a script and they say one page is one minute of content. I have that formula for yeah. my own videos. Yeah. yeah. So with with this, because it's uh, real life entertainment, it's yeah. like in real life entertainment, you don't know what's going to happen. True. Glass Bridge could be the craziest part of it and it yeah. becomes the whole video. Yeah. Or you it know? could fly and it yeah. could be a small segment. So, yeah. And again, and it's and that's, that's not our wheelhouse. We're here to do visual effects. So at the end of the day, we're trying to estimate, you know, okay, from our standpoint, what do we need to prepare for? And we're thinking, okay, maybe 200 shots. And we, we kind of did a, a ticker to see what the average cut was and, and how, we needed to, how we needed to prepare for our visual effects. And we assumed 200 shots. We ended up doing around double that. Which was, so, the fun fact was what? It's more shots than the entire Matrix movie? Yeah. So for VFX shots. Effects. Yeah, for, for every, I think Matrix had what, 340 VFX shots? Maybe 350. 350 VFX yeah. shots. So we just crossed that threshold. So yes. we were like, oh, all right. And it's more we, than the Matrix. The Matrix in 10 days. Okay, yeah. great. Pretty much. We had no clue we were going to be doing that many. Um, yeah. But, you know, we, again, we were able to build out pipelines to be able to account for that yeah. so yeah. like those those worlds that we built in unreal engine running real time it's like okay we just have to do this process this many more times yeah yeah so it's just being able to scale up then and being able to work with our team to be able to account for all of those new ones waveform we'll take a quick break we'll come back and continue chatting with sam and micah from so crispy media Support for this episode of Waveform comes from Gigabyte. There's a lot of talk out there about how AI is revolutionizing our world. Computers are writing newsletters, robotic bees are pollinating flowers, and a whole new wave of driverless taxis are popping up in cities all over the world. But how can AI power our passions and what we do for fun? That's where Gigabyte's AI gaming laptops come in. So their range of powerful and portable new laptops deliver cutting edge performance for anyone looking to explore the brave new world of AI powered gaming. So every 2024 Aorus machine comes equipped with the Gigabyte AI Nexus, which is like a central hub located with all the AI powered features you could hope for. So that includes super useful tools like AI Power Gear, which automatically throttles and extends your computer's battery life depending on your power source and usage. You'll also get access to AI Boost, which optimizes performance based on what you're doing in that moment, whether you're ripping through an FPS or running your own large language model. AI Boost automatically adjusts the GPU and processors to maximize responsiveness and deliver unparalleled efficiency. Lastly, AI Generator includes various generative AI apps for quick startup, and all 2024 Gigabyte models seamlessly integrate with tools like OpenAI and Microsoft's Copilot AI chatbot. But the Aorus 16X and the Gigabyte G6X take it to the next level with a dedicated Copilot key, allowing users to swiftly tap into productivity and generative AI capabilities. I also keep hearing AI is going to change a lot in the gaming world. Andrew, can you think of anything about that? Not just optimization, like you said, but like more personal optimization I could see happening where like maybe you're playing a competitive game like Valorant and you want higher FPS and lower resolution. Like you, you're okay versus like The Witcher where you might want 4K crispy resolution and like a lower frame rate. I think finding that between your computer specs and what you want might help out a lot. Nice. So all of the models that I've been talking about are available right now at oris.com slash laptops slash gigabyte dash AI. So that's A-O-R-U-S dot com slash laptops slash gigabyte dash AI. Gigabyte. Team up. Fight on. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey. 
instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. So I guess my my final question in like the VFX YouTube world is like, all right, so we just established you had 400 something shots in VFX in a YouTube video in 10 days where we, the matrix took longer. I think it's safe to say, right? Yeah. So when you think about making more and more VFX inside YouTube videos, which is now what's going through my head after seeing this um, and this pre-visualization process and how much it helps with cutting down the time it takes to actually integrate the VFX into the video. Do you think it's likely or possible we'll see more stuff like this in the future on YouTube, meaning more videos with VFX built in because of appropriate and helpful previs? Yeah, I mean, I think previs has always been around, but I think because it's being integrated with a final, like a final product and you're able to say, okay, I'm now able to walk around this, I've made this, and now it can be my final video as well. Yeah. I think it's definitely going to be an end-all medium because if you watch our behind the scenes, you can see that we literally made a video game out of that. Like I, yeah. I honestly, I'm, I'm convinced that you're going to be able to say, hey, here's this awesome short film, right? I also took the assets and I made the short film concept into a video game and the video game is also for sale or, well, like or downloadable. Yeah. yeah, so you can... And, and basically you have this, like you can build a world of IP, right, right? Out of a film and then you can have different entertainment all from that one singular software. That's interesting. That was running everything because it is running real time. Mm -hmm. Like imagine a movie, like, like imagine a movie that you're watching, but then you're able to change the color of the hero's car, yeah. right? If it were running locally on your, com like on your computer. Wow. Yeah, or, or advertisements changing depending on the viewer's age. Or even like they're I'm holding imagining... a beer or a Coca-Cola. <laughs> yeah. like... yeah. Or like you, you go to the Matrix or something like that. You're like, here's the Matrix. It's an incredible movie. Now here's like a VR game that you can play in the same scene as one mm -hmm. of the scenes from the yeah. Matrix. Yeah. Incredible. That, yeah. That's going to, I think like this idea of like, I guess, entertainment kind of merging is something I think, you know, in the next decade, if not sooner, we're going to see that with film and YouTube and TV um, in video games. And there's going to like, and I don't know, like it's, I think this is maybe getting into some like metaverse conversations, oh, like, yeah. but, 100%. It, oh, yeah. Yeah. but it's just, it's this idea of like, you know, you now have like, you're, you're building a playground to make a movie, which is the same playground you play in to play video games, which is the same playground you could play in if you want to do a, you know, a podcast, you know, there's, there's a world where we could be sitting in a squid game set right now on this podcast. And it's not a world that is far away from the world we're in right now. And it's not, the thing is, it's, it's not becoming that much more difficult to do when you've already built that world, you know? Um, and so it's really interesting. I think we'll see a lot of, I think we'll see a lot of content creators, like especially post Squid Game, um, start to wrap their heads around the potential of this technology. Um, and the technology itself is becoming more accessible and more in, easier. Um, one of the things like, you know, we talk about how we did more shots in the Matrix, right? The I think kind of the the hero in that story is not necessarily our talent and our skill, while that's a part of it, there's a big part of it where just the tech has evolved in so many ways. And that's the kind of the cool thing about it is like, we're able to now utilize this new tech to make these things possible. Um, I don't think we'd have been able to do this in 10 days without the ability to do real-time graphics, without the ability to like, yeah. Yeah. you know, create this thing that we can see it in real time, we can iterate in real time, we can put the frame and composite in the shot in real time. Um, you know, even five years ago, if we were doing offline rendering, like this would have been so much slower. Mm -hmm. So I think we're really just at a precipice of this kind of new tech mm -hmm. that is now getting in the hands of content creators. And I think in the next few years, we'll see some really cool stuff come from it. For yeah. a lot of our films, I still use like CPU rendering and it will take five, 10 minutes, sometimes like 30 minutes a frame, right? Yeah. And it's just mm -hmm. ridiculous to sit there and let that go. Cause I'll, I'll spend, I could spend a week on a shot, yeah. you know, or yeah. 
even longer if I want it to be like a certain, if, it, if it's like a hero shot for the film. But we knew going into this project that that was not something yeah. that could be done. And we had to use real-time technology. But the thing is, as real-time technology, as video games are always racing to become more realistic, there will be a point where like the quality level will match film and then you're just going to be able to have films run in game engines. Yeah. And that's kind of what we're experiencing now. We kind of just jumped the gun a little bit and said, okay, we're going to use Unreal Engine to do this. We're going to use it for our end all solution. It's going to be from the beginning, we're going to build it in here and then we're going to finish it in here yeah. and then create the, uh, the content. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's super cool to see where that leads to. And that was kind of why we threw in that little like glass bridge game yeah. in there. Yeah. Cause it's like yeah. the possibilities are really cool. I'm just starting to see where it's all going to go. I, I kind of wish I, this would have been a fun experiment. I wish when we were doing the project, we would have like kept a stopwatch of like when something is like, like what amount of time is something rendering that an artist is not able to work. And we minimize that as much as possible with right. a lot of the real time. Cause anyone who's really familiar with VFX and a traditional pipeline will know, like you can work for a couple hours, but when you need to render the preview or you need to render the final thing, you need to step back and wait for a couple hours to see like, it, that would have been a nightmare to deal with. Yeah, this. You, you can know that, you can see from our behind the scenes that the Unreal Engine part was the fastest part about the process because the guy running it literally had time to make a video game. Yeah. Like, wow. True. <laughs> he, he was Fair. like working those 10 days, but also yeah. had time to do that. And, you know, I had spent time prepping the scenes and I built the scenes. And then I, I'm also a compositor. So I wanted to like use myself as the ability to also like work on some of the shots. Mm -hmm. So we brought in our, our buddy Taos, who I went to college with and he does some great stuff in Unreal Engine. So he was running Unreal the entire time. And then we worked together to do all of that. So it's really cool that he was literally able to do that with that real-time tech while we were in the middle of a very press-for-time project. Yeah. yeah, It kind of shows like that real-time rendering is really just the future of, of rendering of any kind. Yeah. I think the project as a success story showed how well the tech has worked and how far it's come. And I feel like I feel like now we're in a uh, post squid game YouTube. That's oh, how I look at it. That's exciting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, I, I think there's going to be, it's going to be, I'm so excited to see like this, like what creators can take from this and what they can like, I think next year is going to be awesome for content creators. Yeah. I'm really excited to see um, what, what comes from that. So. I'm inspired. I think it's time we do a BTS of them now. Yeah. <laughs> we should we circle it up. Yeah. We need to start doing more VFX in our videos too. There you That'd go. be sweet. One more thing. Every guest that we have on Waveform, we like to give them a little test. Right. Um, uh -oh. <laughs> and I don't know, Adam, do you have a, do you have the appropriate mechanical equipment? So uh, I don't know if you're a oh fast typist or if you <laughs> pride yourself on your typing speed. Okay. At all. I kid you Made not. Made the Come on. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know if this is like a, a fluke or something, but I've taken so many typing tests where I get like the 99th percentile. Yeah. And I like, I brag about how fast I can type. So, okay. This one will be a little okay. interesting. Do you, do you, have you either of you watched Top Gear at all? No. They have something called the star in the reasonably priced okay. car where every guest they have on, they basically put them in this, uh, a pretty standard car that's the same for all of them. And they have to do a lap around the track. Okay. And they have a leaderboard of all their guests. So oh, no. we have a, a website where it's how fast you can type the alphabet. Yep. So all of our guests now do three tries on this, and now we have a leaderboard for all of our guests oh, no. on, um, so on you, the show. Yeah. I, sh so I shouldn't have said I should have said I'm a fast typer. <laughs> well, okay, but it is weird because <laughs> words per minute is way different than the alphabet. How mm -hmm. often you are you typing the keyboards. alphabet? So yeah, whichever you keyboard, if you like chiclet style, I, I, I mechanical. I didn't say anything, but I purposely picked this one because okay. it was I know, I know. I was going to say, I don't want the mechanical keyboard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I try to do you dirty right there. Right? I know, man. You're, you're making me talk all the talk, and now I'm going to be, you know, embarrassed at the slowest. So we give it each person three tries. So I do the alphabet. I'm not actually typing words. No, just the straight alphabet. I'm, so, I'm nervous. I didn't know there was going to yeah, be a test. Yeah, test on the pressure hits. So, <laughs> yeah. so we're going to give you uh, three tries each, whatever keyboard of your choice, and uh, we'll see what kind of uh, what kind of times you put up. Oh okay. man, let's see it. All right. You ruined the ASMR on that one, guess. Where is he? I never use that one. <laughs> no Z, there's no uh, copy and paste in Unreal Engine. <laughs> First try. It's 14. always control Z. Yeah, 14, not bad. You want to give another? How does that compare to yeah. 
what you see here. Um, uh, I'll reveal that at the end. I love not I feel, telling anybody okay, yeah. how how good their score is. I don't is know why this okay. is so oddly nerve wracking because it's I, like really such a, like, like, we, right I mean, you were nervous thing. doing it, and it was just in front of each other. Yeah. And so right. it's like, why do I take pride in the fact that I can type the alphabet <laughs> yeah. fast? All right. So you foreshadowed it by saying that you were going to be good at it. Yeah, yeah. I know. It's a lot of pressure. Yeah. All right. That one sounded faster. Eleven. Yeah, three. I mean, three seconds shaved off. Cutting three That's seconds off solid. Is, is pretty major. Imagine cutting. I feel like that should be a lot. I feel like that should be a lot faster, though. It is. It is really not something you do. We have. Um, <laughs> never type the. Alpha we have it on our Discord, <laughs> and people, our audience, likes to try it. And there's some, like, all over the place. The times. Yeah. They're everywhere. Yeah. One more try. Kind of want to see where he's at. Do you want to yeah. pass it over yeah, and then you'll take your third try yeah. after? Okay, yeah, I like it. Um, Do you like that keyboard better? Well, I'm, I'm committed at this point, so I'll... Okay. Okay. You're practicing. Yeah, exactly. And this is this is a fantastic excuse if it's really bad. Because <laughs> yeah, I don't have, yeah, I have yeah, a mechanical chunk it over your head. We've got plenty of those. All right, in the center. It's going to go one of two ways here with him. This is a lightning port keyboard? I yeah, always thought lightning a, port was just iPhone. No, well... Just Apple. Yeah, they, just Apple, yeah. They weirdly have... They're starting to change some things, but keep some lightning. lightning whoever yeah. knows with AirPods, yeah, iPads. So I think for everything I have Apple, I think it's just my iPhone and my AirPods is the probably the two yeah. lightning. Mode. Yeah. All right. So I just type in it. Yeah, goes. when you hit A, it'll go. Yep. All right. You're way faster than I was. Dude. What Sounded is it? pretty fast. 7.49. Nice. Hey, that's, that's a pretty, pretty good. Six. Now I feel like, okay. see, now I feel worse. <laughs> <laughs> you want to swap keywords? So we can, can do, when Khan and Samir were here, they decided to do a team effort. Right, so, um, best if you want to go team, I, I, just I feel best like that's team a, score. I think I can get on, I think I can get on your I seven. feel like you could. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Ah, <sighs> uh, shoot. It is one of those things that's accurate. The last few letters. It's super frustrating when you mess up, man. Yeah. You want to go one more time, Sam, and then I'll wind this out. Or yeah, I'll just I'll just get it. Go for it. Go for it. I get three tries, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm gonna try it on your keyboard next. I don't know, man. It's the button push. I have to. I have to go further on much bigger travel. It's all the travel time. The travel time. Is this optical or how is this? It's mechanical. Oh, it's mechanical. Yeah. Because if it was an optical sensor, it'd be like very fast. All right. I think I, I think I did it on. No, I did mechanical. Right. Yes. Six yeah, point nine. Right, what was your scores? Six two. Six two. Six two okay. five. That's that puts you right as in the middle. One um, of our one of our fastest guests. Six. Go. Pretty good. Six out of like twelve, I think. Yeah. Right. Dead middle. Middle. All much. right. Yeah. Was yeah. I the slowest? Um, <laughs> no, no response. You what? saw the third try. Yeah, uh, our slowest right now is 9.4. Yeah, yeah. You want to go chiclet? So you're, you're right there. Are you kidding me? You want to go chiclet? So yeah. let me ask. That does not make me feel good. That's, Mavis, okay. Mavis to be Beacon fair, did not <laughs> help me Colin out Colin and Samir went together. All right. No shade on Samir, but so he was pretty slow. Huh? Yeah. I need to know who the, the fastest is after this. This is a... Or villain one second. It's wild. Okay. Sam. I have to at least get that. Hey, under that 10. Great. Under 10. Sub 10? Yeah. Sub 10. Single digits feels nice. good. <laughs> it does feel good. Single digits is good. All right. Um, so you our, give everyone three tries. We like, give everyone three tries. Right, so there's yeah. no one there who's it's, like time number 10. No, I got this and one almost, done. I think every single person, you would also, you beat, you're not last. 9.2? Not last. Not last. Not last. Um, <laughs> uh, right now, our fastest is, I don't know, Quinn from Snazzy Labs. He's a, a tech YouTuber. He has 4.43. 4.43. Four, oh, man. Um, Marquez is at, Marquez is in second because apparently he's just good at everything yeah. and none of us can beat him at it. Um, 4.539. Nice. Adam's got third. I have fourth. We're both 5.2-ish. Um, right. Doug DeMuro, 5.9. You might know him. Colin and Samir is 6.677. So, so just you be beat them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You mm -hmm. get to brag to them now. Yeah, I haven't yeah. met you guys no. yet, but I'm a slightly <laughs> faster typer. Yeah. That's how you can know, break the ice <laughs> when you go. beat them. Yeah. Um, I guess the my friend who created this app, this has been his like his talent thing he shows off at yeah. like school for the last 10 years. He can do 1.3. 
which Dude. is why it's just muscle One, memory yeah. at that yeah. point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's crazy. Some of our, some people on discord have gotten under two and it's really wild, wild. but it's That's obviously cool. more than three tries. Also. The craziest so. part it logs. You can take a screenshot when you're done. I've seen people send me screenshots of like two, three seconds from yeah. a phone. No, I don't know how they yeah. do it. It's I, wild. I wonder. Absurd. I don't ever intend to get that good at this. No. But congrats on your place on the leaderboard. <laughs> if, if that you guys, is now it. <laughs> you guys ever last. If you guys ever decide you want to do a big YouTube typing tournament, let me know. Okay. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, I'm I got there. you. I got you. All right. This yeah. is this has been great. I I appreciate you lifting a little bit of the veil behind the curtain and and showing some of the BTS. Um, again, if you haven't seen the videos, which at this point you probably have, but just in case you haven't, you should watch them. They're linked below. Shout out to you guys for for making the behind the scenes and for uh, making the project so incredible. And uh, thanks for joining us on Waveform. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, thanks yeah. for having yeah, us. This is great. Awesome. Waveform is produced by Adam Molina. We are partnered with Vox Media, and our intro outro music was created by Vane Sill. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right. $25 a month? Every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just Visible. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com.